It's time for Dishing Up Nutrition with licensed nutritionist Darlene Kavist. Each week, Darlene explains the connection between what you eat and how you feel. Stay tuned to hear practical, real-life solutions for healthier living through good nutrition. Dishing Up Nutrition is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. Slow down, you move too fast. You got to make the morning last. Just kick down. Good morning and welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I am Brenna Thompson, licensed and registered dietitian and today's host of Dishing Up Nutrition. This show is brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness, a company specializing in life-changing nutrition education and life-changing nutrition counseling. Today we are reviewing the research about how alcohol and sugar can increase the risk of breast cancer for both men and women. So have you ever thought about your personal breast cancer risk when you're having that second or third glass of wine with your friends? Mm. (laughs) Maybe, probably not. Mm. There is research that points out that drinking wine can increase your risk for breast cancer. But before we jump into that topic today, what do you think about being a part of our next online classes? And maybe you as a listener have wanted to take some of the nutritional weight and wellness classes before. Well, if you're part of these, um, the taping of these online classes, you would save 50%. So instead of spending, um, what is it, $25, they're only $12.50. We will be taping the magic of minerals, five steps to boost your metabolism, and eating to reduce aches and pains, or I mean used to be called that. Now it's called eating to reduce pain and inflammation in the Nutritional Weight and Wellness Maple Grove office later this month. There is no online registration. None. You must call the office, the Maple Grove office at 763-657-1730 to register. So I'll give that number again. It's 763-657-1730. That's the Maple Grove office to register to be part of the taping of those online classes. I also want you to be aware that you will need to sign a video and photo release form before the class. Now, you briefly heard her voice mm-hmm. with me this morning, drinking a little water, getting uh-huh. her throat clear here, yes. is Ms. Kate Crosby, nutrition educator and nutrition counselor. Good morning, Brenna. Good morning, Kate. Well, this topic today, breast cancer and the alcohol and sugar connection is a pretty personal one for me. As many of our listeners know, about 25 years ago, I was diagnosed with breast cancer and my diet at the time Well, it included lots of sugar and some wine, and I thought I knew a little bit about nutrition or what was good for me. Now, I don't have a family history of cancer, so I wasn't really thinking much about cancer prevention with my diet. But today, though, after learning that even moderate alcohol consumption is a risk factor for breast cancer, I'm careful about drinking wine. And while I have a class occasionally, I'm just as comfortable drinking mineral water. But my hope today is to enlighten our listeners with the current research regarding breast cancer. I want them to know that alcohol and sugar consumption are two risk factors for breast cancer. You know, I also hope to help our listeners figure out ways to minimize and avoid these lifestyle habits that seem so prevalent in our society today. Drinking wine and eating sugar can be potentially harmful to you. It's Saturday morning. Yeah, (laughs) Oh, right? yes. yes, it is Saturday morning. And for us, you know, we are doing a live show here on My Talk 107.1. 
But many people, many of our listeners actually listen via a podcast as they drive to and from work or maybe while they're out walking the dog. And please, if you're listening to this podcast and you find this information valuable, please give us a rating on iTunes. You know, leave a review for us because we really do value your comments and appreciate your time and effort in doing that. Absolutely. So if you went to bed last night after having a couple glasses of wine, I'm wondering, did how did you sleep? Did you have trouble falling asleep, staying asleep through the night? I know how are you for feeling me, this morning? <laughs> yeah, how are you feeling this morning? I know for me, wine really affected my sleep. I had trouble sleeping. Oh my gosh, me too. Yeah, and yeah. these days, I generally choose to drink a little sparkling water or even some iced herbal teas. You were talking to me about the Northwest blackberry tea that we sell that's really beautiful. But you also, said, yeah, you also said you can cold brew it. You can. So the Northwest Blackberry, I mean, clients have seen me do it. I just grab one of the little packets, throw it in a cup, and you can put hot, or not hot, cold water over it. And it just steeps, steeps. itself. And it's bright pink. So how can you not love it? Yeah. You know, and I also found that drinking wine just didn't make me feel very good the next day. So as a... Uh, a breast cancer survivor, I'm always looking for simple ways to improve my health and prevent cancer, and that's one. I also heard you talk about how drinking wine can result in hot flashes and night sweats. <laughs> oh, yeah. That happens a lot. You know, often when we're teaching the menopause seminar, we'll ask um, the women who are attending how many of them experience hot flashes after drinking wine, and you should see the hands that go up. Maybe three-quarters of the class raises their hand you know it's a problem. Now, I haven't really noticed that personally myself, but I certainly could have trouble sleeping. So, Brenna, I think you can explain the biochemically what is causing these unfavorable side effects that affect our sleep and our hot flashes after we're drinking wine. Well, did you know that alcohol increases estrogen? Ah, let's say that again. So, alcohol increases estrogen. Okay. Hmm. And this may not happen right away. It's not like you drink the glass and two seconds later, all of a sudden your estrogen is like ah, sky high. No. Later in the evening, as mm-hmm. those estrogen levels begin to fluctuate from that alcohol, maybe in your martini or in your wine cooler mm-hmm. or your craft beer, you have a hot flash from those fluctuations because ah. that estrogen is going to go way up. And then it comes crashing down. Mm-hmm. And it's that crash that gives you the hot flash. Aha. Yes. Now, these are never fun, the hot flashes and the night sweats. But remember, the really important part of this show is to review some of the research that links both alcohol and eating sugar to an increased risk of developing breast cancer. Now, that might be a new idea for a lot of people. So, Again, I really was never concerned about getting breast cancer. It wasn't in my family history. And I thought I was eating healthy. I was a strict vegetarian. Right. That's supposed to be healthy. (laughs) But looking back and now understanding the sugar connection to cancer, I know I was eating way too much bread, which becomes sugar. And I did love my pasta, which becomes sugar. Mm-hmm. And at that time, I didn't recognize I was a vegetarian who lived on bread. Kate, were you what I like to call a peanut butter and jelly vegetarian? Yeah. Forget the jelly, just the peanut butter and oh. lots of bread. Lots of bread. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And oh, sure, I ate some vegetables, 
but way too much sugar from that bread and the pasta and all those processed Mm -hmm. carbs. Now, let's talk about what research really says. You know, there was a research review from the year 2016. So just last year, very recent, done by the Research Society on Alcohol, Alcoholism, which showed that 13 out of 15 studies found an increased risk of breast cancer when women drank more alcohol. So 13 out of 15 studies found that drinking alcohol increases your risk of breast cancer. In fact, they estimated that 144,000 breast cancer cases and 38,000 breast cancer deaths worldwide in 2012 were attributed to drinking alcohol. Okay. So that wasn't the total number of Uh, breast cancer cases or deaths. Just those attributed to drinking alcohol. Yes. Okay. Now, surprisingly, about 18% of those breast cancer cases, cases and deaths were in women who were just light alcohol consumers. Mm-hmm. Now, that would have been me, since drinking wine was just a social thing for me. I didn't do it every day. And if we look around today, women are drinking more alcohol than they did, for instance, about 100 years ago. You see more women in bars and tap rooms and joining friends for wine in the afternoon. And isn't it interesting that the incidence of breast cancer has increased more than 20% since 2008. Hmm. So could it be that drinking alcohol has now become you know, just more of a social norm mm-hmm. for women, perhaps? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I really see this habit in many of my clients of all ages, yep. um, you know, whether they are in their late 20s or all the way up to their 60s and 70s. I'm seeing a lot of women who the first thing they do is they come home from work, pour a glass of wine. Yep. Crack open a beer. Yep. Their husband makes them, you know, a gin and tonic. That's, that's customary. That's customary. It's their mm-hmm. cocktail hour. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. how they unwind. It also kind of gets me to think about there's something in our lifestyle today that's really causing people to develop breast cancer more easily and more frequently. Something like sugar and alcohol. So beginning in the 1700s and early 1800s, people ate about four pounds of sugar a year. So that's a lot of sugar. And I think we're probably getting pretty darn close to break here. We are. So let me just uh, start in on this break here. You're listening to Dishing Up Nutrition brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. And today, Brenna and I are discussing the alcohol and sugar connection to breast cancer. If you've got questions for us, give the studio a call at 651-641-1071. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm Brenna Thompson, registered and licensed dietitian. I'm joined this morning by Kate Crosby, nutrition educator and nutrition counselor, and we are discussing the sugar and alcohol connection to breast cancer. Today, Saturday 19th, is the final day to save 15% on all of your favorite Nutriki products like Bifido Balance and twice a day, magnesium, magnesium glycinate, or the mixed magnesium, yep. CoQ10, you name it. All of those, 15% off today is your last day. You can come into any of our seven Twin Cities locations, or you can order them online at weightandwellness.com. If you have questions for Kate or I, just give us a call here in studio at 651-641-1071. You know, Brenna, before we went to break, we were talking about sugar consumption and back in 
the 1700s, early 1800s, people ate about four pounds of sugar a year. But today, that's a yes. little different. So. Yes, that is a little different. And I just recently read that the average American consumes at one. I've seen one statistic saying 130. Yep. I've seen another statistic saying 150 pounds. Now, that's a lot, a lot. more than four. Right. That's right. Over 130, 150 pounds of sugar a year. I don't. What is how many like five pound bags, bags. of sugar is that? Whoa. A lot. Yeah. So many women believe that they developed cancer because of their genetics. Mm -hmm. Oh, you know, blame it on my genetics. Mm -hmm. But surprisingly, most breast cancer cases are not, they're not attributed to a person's genetic risk factors. Exactly. And I'm one of those. I didn't have that family genetic factor, but I got breast cancer. So... You know, let's take a look a little bit about the genetic part, because genetics affects some breast cancer cases. You know, there are two breast cancer genes that are linked to the risk of breast cancer, the BRCA1 and the BRCA2. Mm -hmm. And everyone, both men and women, have these genes. But some have inherited an abnormal gene or a gene mutation that may increase their risk of breast cancer. However... This is the important part. These mutations account for only 5 to 10% of breast cancer cases in the U.S. So not a lot. No, you think overall 5 to 10% isn't very much. Isn't a lot that are related to these mutated breast cancer genes. No. Women and men with a family history of breast cancer may have a mutation on one or both of these genes that can increase the chance of developing breast cancer by 45 to 65% by the age of 70. Now, the good news with all of this is that researchers have found that 20 to 40% of women with an abnormal BRCA1 or BRCA2 gene will not develop breast mm. cancer. Mm-hmm. So just because you have the gene, a mutated gene, doesn't mean you're going to get it. No, you don't have to get it. You might. Mm-hmm. You don't. Mm-hmm. So it's, what's that difference? Yeah. Why do some get it, others not? Well, I think sometimes our genes are not our destiny, but our genes interact with our environment and our lifestyle. So this is where we have a little more power. And one of the biggest changes to our lifestyle over the years has been our diets. Yes. So this means that the food we eat impacts how our genes actually work. And, you know, at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, we have a really simple saying. Food matters. Yes, it does. And I was recently at a big box store buying a life jacket for my grandson. And I was looking around and I was shocked at un- so how unhealthy everyone looked. The American diet really looked like it had caught up with so many. And it's kind of no wonder that cancer and heart disease are now at such epidemic proportions. Well, and I recently read a book titled The Fragile <laughs> Wisdom by Granzina Jasienska. Oh, say that fast. <laughs> Granzina Jasienska. Uh, now, it outlines an amazing amount of information and research on women's health, our fertility, our hormones. And yes, there was an entire chapter on the risk of developing breast hmm. cancer. Okay. Now, before everybody hops on like their Barnes & Noble or their Amazon account, um, I will warn you that this is not an easy read. <laughs> yeah. And it's not, you know, it's pretty technical. However, 
What I found really interesting was a statement that she wrote where she said that it takes 20 years for damage to accumulate and affect our cells, hmm. leading to malignancy or cancer. 20 years. 20 years. So it's like what you do today will impact what's going on 20 years from now. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. you know, like, what does that mean? Kate, you said that you noticed how poorly people had looked when yeah. you were shopping for that life jacket. You mentioned like their skin mm-hmm. just didn't look very healthy. Mm-mm. You know, they walked as though all of their joints ached. No doubt from at least 20 years of eating maybe too much sugar, mm-hmm. maybe too much bread, mm-hmm. drinking too much soda or alcohol. Absolutely. I mean, and you know, what it means to me is that the foods I eat every day can either positively or negatively impact my risk of cancer or just simply how I feel. That's a, And that's what really gets people to change. Yes, absolutely. How do I feel on a daily basis? Because that's yeah. what will keep them motivated. You know, I'm curious if the listeners would be willing to ask themselves, every time you sit down to eat, is this food good for me? Or bad for me? Is this what I'm putting in, putting me at risk or not? Remember, the more positive choices that you you make, the less damage that really is going to occur to your cells. And we want to keep our cells healthy and happy. So besides limiting or avoiding alcohol, are you wondering what other positive nutrition choices you could make to prevent breast cancer? Well... Maybe you are. (laughs) Maybe, yeah. So you've probably heard that sugar feeds cancer. Well, this might be a little simplistic. It really is true. In the field of nutrition, sometimes simple is just best. So research tells us that sugar increases inflammation and cell damage. Well, both of those can lead to cancer. So stop and think about what high sugar foods you're eating that could be damaging your cells or setting you up for inflammation. Now, I wasn't the brownie or cookie eater, but I sure did love my bread. Even though it was homemade, even though sometimes I ground the the wheat to make it. Oh, my Lord, you did not. (laughs) Oh, yes, I was one of those. I was totally unaware that a sandwich would turn into about 12 teaspoons of sugar. Now, that's, you know, a regular sandwich. But if you're eating a Subway sandwich, maybe a 12-inch Subway Mm -hmm. sandwich, probably are eating 25 teaspoons of sugar easily well and that doesn't account for the bag of potato chips right or the the soda and the soda (laughs) that's right so brenna yes like maybe we should be we're kind of taking a break here yeah we probably should be taking a break here pretty soon you are listening to dishing up nutrition some of our listeners today might be thinking well how do you go about making changes to your eating habits Mm. because habits are we just kind of get stuck in them sometimes yeah So good question. You know, maybe to change your habits, you tried Googling. Mm. You tried Dr. Google to find the answer (laughs) and ended up even more confused. Well, I have a short answer for you. It's called the Nutrition for Weight Loss Program. It's based on real information delivered with caring and concern. Classes are going to be getting will be starting the week of September 11th. Now, if you sign up by August 31st, you will receive $80 off that September Nutrition for Weight Loss series. So That's a chunk of change. That is a chunk of change. Think of all the good food you could buy. There you go. It's like a week's worth of groceries. So call 651-699-3438 or go online to weightandwellness.com and sign up today. The Nutrition for Weight Loss program is available both in person and online. 
and we'll be right back. Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition. Are you still wondering if our Nutrition for Weight Loss program is the one for you? I want to read a comment from a client who took this uh, Nutrition for Weight Loss, and this is what she said, and I quote her. I finally lost my baby weight. It just took me 27 years to find the right plan. That's one of my clients. <laughs> oh, really? <laughs> yes. Oh, that's great. That is great. Yeah, she's doing awesome. Oh. Now, today, I'm also pleased to announce that we're now transcribing our radio shows. This is really cool. Yes, it so, is. If you're walking around the lake or driving to the lake uh, while you're listening to our radio show or your podcast, but you would like to refer to some of the information you heard that might help you or a friend or a family member, you can do it. Now you can go to weightandwellness.com, find the specific information that you want. It's really easy. Yes. So if any of you have questions, a question for us today. Why don't you mm-hmm. call us in the studio at 651-641-1071. Actually, we've got a caller. We do have a caller. Fantastic. Who have we got this morning? We've got Pat. Pat, welcome to Dishing Up Nutrition. I'm just starting to learn a little bit about the possibility that making your body more alkaline by brushing your teeth with baking soda or drinking a little baking soda mixed in water helps balance the sugar that we do get in our diet by making the body more alkaline. But I'm trying to learn about maybe how much is helpful. I'm just starting to learn about it. You know, actually, Pat, I I would rather see you make your body alkaline by eating a lot of vegetables. Then they're much more protective, full of antioxidants. Yes. And, you know, trying to counter a behavior that you've already done eating sugar with another chemical sometimes is not as productive as continuing to prevent yes you know I agree. cell damage and inflammation by eating we we aim to eat 7 to 9 cups, cups of light vegetables like green beans broccoli mm-hmm. cucumbers I'm having asparagus today there you go um, all throughout the day I know that's a daunting task but that's what we aim for to help keep our bodies alkaline. I think that um, some of the benefits of drinking red wine are worth maybe balancing out with using um, baking soda, especially since most of the toothpastes have fluoride in them. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that's where we might disagree. But... Mm -hmm. um, Mm -hmm. You know, I think I think the baking soda idea, I think it works for some people. But um, again, I would say I don't see the benefits of red wine as being great enough to then have to, again, like Kate said, try and balance it yeah. with something else. But yeah. we thank you so much for your call this morning, Pat. So let's, let's get back. So, OK, so we were talking about Kate, you had mentioned like the sandwich you used to you would make your own bread. Oh, yeah. Make a peanut butter Chow sandwich. Down. Yummy. Yep, yep, yum. All right. Now, what about, you know, in the morning? Mm-hmm. If you're our listener here and you're stopping by Starbucks or Caribou, getting yourself a mocha latte, are you going to be surprised to know that it would have possibly 67 grams of carbohydrate? What does that mean? Uh, well, that means that it's about 17 teaspoons of sugar. Oh, whoa, 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 whoa. Whoa. Now... If you had made this at home, would you have filled up a glass of milk <laughs> and then added 
about 17 teaspoons of sugar to it, mixed it up and drank it. Yeah. Because that's what it is. I mean, it's it's dessert with a straw. Yeah. Or are you pouring yourself a bowl of cereal? Now, even many heart healthy cereals actually turn into a lot of sugar. So imagine this. Two cups of most cereals turn into about 20 teaspoons of sugar. So the all-American yeah. breakfast of champions is really a risky behavior. Yeah. Now, instead, I love to have a turkey burger and sautéed veggies with avocado for breakfast. That sounds like a good one. That's, yeah. you know, pretty typical for me. Yep. Yep. And some of you might be asking, well, what's with the big deal with all this sugar? Why is it so bad? And how does it feed these cancer cells? Well, to help us answer that question, we are going to lean on Gary Taub's most recent book, The Mm. Case Against Sugar. And we've actually had Gary Taub's here on Dishing Up Nutrition several times in the past. And you can find those shows again on our website, just weightandwellness, all spelled out, dot com, and search Gary Taub's to hear him discuss his recent research of the food industry, food policy, and how our diet choices have been influenced and changed through the years. Mm -hmm. So what part of our diet has changed the most, do you think, as we've become more civilized? Yes. Well, the answer is processed carbs. Yeah. Which our longtime listeners know turn into a lot of sugar in our bodies. And then that sugar triggers an insulin release by our pancreas. So explain, why does a pancreas uh, release this insulin into our bloodstream after we've eaten all these sugar the sugar and these processed carbs. Well, whether it is a processed carb or even mm-hmm. a real carb, that's its job. Ah, like, okay. That's just what that pancreas does. So mm-hmm. on the most basic level, we need insulin to transport sugar, glucose, blood sugar, into our cells. Otherwise, we would just have a whole lot of sugar <laughs> in our bloodstream and absolutely no energy in our cells. Oh, and. That's not good. No. That's called diabetes. Yep. Yep. So insulin sort of acts as the uh, escort for this glucose molecule. Yes. Yes. But the problem occurs when we eat this excessive amount of sugar, like when we drink that mocha latte or eat a plate full of pasta or several pieces of pizza down a sleeve of cookies, for instance. Then we've got too much sugar in our bloodstream, and so our pancreas goes into overdrive and actually pumps out excess insulin. This can cause our cell receptors to get overwhelmed by all that insulin and then become resistant to it. So that's that insulin resistance. Yes. And when our cells are insulin resistant, the excess sugar that should go into our cells for energy gets turned into fat. We store it, save it for a rainy day. Mm -hmm. But that process, the process of having high blood sugars and having high insulin creates a lot of inflammation. Oh, and that inflammation can lead to the damaged breast cell. Yes, it can. You know, it's that inflammation that sets us up here for damaging our cells. And Gary Taubes writes that the higher a person's level of insulin and insulin resistance, the greater that person's chance to develop cancer. So this is because cancer cells must have insulin and sugar to grow. And Kate, I was just kind of thinking, I was like, you know, if we're storing more fat from this excess sugar, Mm -hmm. excess fat makes a very toxic form of estrogen. There you go. And that toxic form of estrogen is linked to breast breast cancer. cancer. Yes. So just one more little connection there. But here's where things get really interesting, tying back to the sugar and insulin. 
normal, healthy breast tissue does not have insulin receptors. Okay. All right. What? (laughs) Let me say that again, because it was a shock to me when I read this. Normal, healthy breast tissue does not have insulin receptors. So none, Mm -hmm. not a one. Okay. Um, You know, I thought all cells had insulin receptors. And if not, then how does the sugar from too many carbs feed breast cancer? Without those insulin receptors, sugar shouldn't be able to get into that breast cell. Well, and that's what one would think. But the problem arises when these breast cells are damaged, inflammation, Mm. due to these harmful lifestyle factors, Mm. like eating too many processed carbs, too much sugar. So these inflamed and damaged breast tissues develop insulin receptors. Oh. They're adapting. Yep. So lots and lots of insulin receptors are created so that that tissue can begin to use sugar for energy. And once that cancer cell develops insulin receptors, they can consume lots and lots of sugar, and then they grow rapidly. And that's what we mean when we say sugar feeds cancer. Right. And, and that's how tumors are found, is they give people, I don't know if it's an injection or they have them drink a solution of sugar. To see. And that breast that tumor actually like soaks up that sugar solution and then it lights Lights up up on on a scan and that's how that tumor is found fascinating yes i know a lot of times when we're working with clients who are going through treatment for breast cancer or recovering from treatment i always recommend avoiding the processed carbs and any added sugar and i help them understand that processed carbs turn into an overabundance of glucose or sugar in our body. And I always encourage them to eat carbs the way we do, which is eating these vegetable carbs like we were talking to Pat about. You know, more broccoli and cauliflower and green beans and zucchini. And even if that, you know, cauliflower happens to be purple, yeah, num, it still num, counts. Num. Yes. But to avoid the processed carbs here. And I know Gary Taubes would agree with you as he wisely wrote, if it's sugar that causes insulin resistance, it's hard to avoid the conclusion that sugar causes cancer. Now, we do need to go to our last break here today. So thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. While doing research for today's show on breast cancer, I ran across some interesting information on a supplement called Meta I3C and how it can help people decrease estrogen levels and possibly reduce their risk of breast cancer. So when we come back from break, Kate and I will chat a little bit more about that amazing compound and where you can find it. I know we have a listener on the line um, waiting with a question, and we will get to her when When we we come come back. back. There are some things we wish for you to do what everyone else can do. Hop in your car, go to work, slip right into a movie seat. Now there's a perk. Buy cute jeans right off the rack. Dance at the next wedding to love Shaq. Play tag with your kids and hear them say, that was the most awesomest day. Walk your dog, jog, or both, just because you can. Comfortably fly coach all the way to Japan. Be there on graduation day, especially if it's yours and you got your MBA. Meet your greatest love and ride off into the sun. This is your life. Go live it. You've only got one. If you think you've tried everything to lose the weight that's keeping you from your best life, think again. Learn the new science of weight loss in the Nutrition for Weight Loss program at Nutritional Weight and Wellness, on-site or online. You can do this. We'll help you. You're not alone. This is a promise, not just a poem. Join us at weightandwellness.com. 
Well, welcome back to Dishing Up Nutrition, brought to you by Nutritional Weight and Wellness. I'm Kate Crosby. And before break, Brenna mentioned a supplement called Meta-I3C, which stands for Indol-3-Carbonol. Well, this is a great supplement. Um, It's a compound that is found in cruciferous vegetables, you know, the ones like broccoli, cabbage, cauliflower, or Brussels sprouts. And this indole-3-carbonyl has the amazing ability to help the body get rid of toxic estrogen. Now, research published in 2010 in the Journal of Breast Cancer showed that women who took this supplement, maybe 200 milligrams of meta-I3C, showed a significant increase in their excretion of estrogen in their urine. So what does that mean for these women? Well, it means that their livers were breaking down toxic estrogen and turning it into a form that their body could get rid of instead of holding on to it. Excellent. So this toxic estrogen is known as estradiol, and it's made by our fat cells. You referred to this before. Yes. And in the long run, this may help these women prevent breast cancer and other estrogen-related cancers like uterine or ovarian cancer. Now, are you wondering, well, hey, where can I get some (laughs) Meta-I3C? Well, you can find Metagenics brand Meta-I3C on all of our nutritional weight and wellness offices and on our website, weightandwellness.com. And we would recommend two capsules per day, which will provide you with 300 milligrams of the active Indole-3-Carbonyl. It's a perfect amount to help you detox that estrogen. And of course, as nutritionists... You know, we'd always recommend making sure that you're eating several cups of these Mm -hmm. cruciferous vegetables every day. So maybe you steam some cauliflower, saute some cabbage, roast your Brussels sprouts, or make the Nutritional Weight and Wellness Crunchy Broccoli Salad. There you go. Yes. Nummy. And I believe Liz is still on the line. She waited for us. Thank you. So good morning, Liz. You have a question? Oh, hi. It's actually a little more of a comment than a question. Um, You were talking about the sugar and cancer, and um, my husband's been battling cancer for two years. Um, When he was diagnosed, the first oncologist we visited specifically told him that diet had nothing to do with cancer, and we knew better. And he's been on a very restrictive diet. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess the thing that was sad, though, was when we toured the chemotherapy center, I guess you'd call it, Mm -hmm. um, the infusion place, there were bowls of candy and granola bars and, you know, just things that (laughs) would not be good for a cancer patient. And so it's kind of scary for people out there, you know, especially when you first get diagnosed. Absolutely. Um, I just really appreciate you ladies, you know, talking about the correlation and maybe somewhere down the road you can have a class or something, you know. People are always looking for things like that. Yes, more explanation. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so well, that was all. Thank I you, and thanks for yeah. your, your call. That was, you know, really interesting. I know there is such conflict in information oh. sometimes. Yes. It was just so sad, you know, to see that. And yes. Here we are trying. We did it. We're doing quite a bit of natural things, and he's actually doing quite well, and we've never done chemo, so, oh. you know, it's, yeah. Wonderful. We haven't done any chemo at all, so, and he's doing quite well so congratulations that's wonderful we wish you both the best thank you yeah thanks so much bye-bye you bet now before break we're talking about the fact that yeah sugar in its own way it does feed cancer Mm -hmm. so Mm -hmm. it makes sense as nutritionist to me that if you are a woman or a man with a personal or family history of breast cancer 
You know, it would be very wise to stop eating these processed carbs and added sugar, probably very much like Liz and her husband have done, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. to reduce their risk of cancer or prevent a relapse. What would this look like? Well, that's good. Let's give up some ideas to our listeners. What would you, you know, possibly, maybe you could start your day with a bowl of plain, full-fat yogurt or cottage cheese for breakfast. Top it off with some berries and chopped nuts. That would be just about as fast as pouring that bowl of cereal. Absolutely. And there's no added sugar. And the protein is going to keep you full and satisfied, give you lots of energy. Mm-hmm. But, okay, so there's a breakfast. There's a breakfast. Easy. How about a lunch? Well, I believe that to prevent cancer, we really have to plan ahead. Two women in my family have been diagnosed with breast cancer, and they underwent mastectomies long, like, this was years ago, mm-hmm. long before I was born. Mm-hmm. But for me... Eating the weight and wellness way means cancer prevention. You know, in the past, I would have eaten a lot of processed carbs. In Mm. high school, my lunch was fat-free yogurt with pretzels. Uh And it wasn't very filling, so then I would go get a Twix bar. Oh, so that's a lot of sugar all right there. That is a lot of sugar. (laughs) And I believed in the low-fat myth. But now that I have looked at the science, I know I need meat and veggies and good fats at least three times a day. To support my blood sugar and my insulin levels. Mm-hmm. So to eat healthfully, it's not always fast. You know, it takes a little work, takes a little planning. Yes. I can't just run out the door without a lunch mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. or my snacks because I know. <laughs> it just my day won't go well. It doesn't go well. So what would the lunch be for you? Uh, well, today it is leftover meatballs and asparagus and Numb. peas with olive oil. Numb. You know, it's usually it's leftovers or in the summer when my garden was going nuts with lettuce. <laughs> it still looks like it's going nuts. <laughs> Brana brought me in some delicious looking purple carrots that are humongous. Yes. Um, so the summer it was a lot of salads mm-hmm. with some kind of meat and dressing. Yep. Mm-hmm. That's kind of my lunch. Yeah. Yep. All the time. Now, Kate, I know you love to go to your cabin. Absolutely. No, for a lot of people, going to the cabin or going camping in the summer means a lot of processed carbs. Yep. What do you eat? Well, interesting. You know, uh, at our lake home, we grill a lot. Uh, We grill steaks. We'll Mm -hmm. grill burgers. uh, Maybe some nitrate-free brats. Um, But this summer, I've really gotten into grilling salmon. And I've got the best wild-caught salmon recipe, and it takes about six minutes to make this thing. Well, that's fast. Yeah. So all you do is I buy a big filet of salmon, wild caught, and then in a separate dish, I'll chop up some garlic and add some Dijon mustard, some soy sauce, and maybe a little olive oil and Mm -hmm. mix it all up and drizzle that over the salmon filets and then grill it. I know what I want for supper. (laughs) 10 minutes, 15 minutes, depends on how thick it is. Yes. We also do lots of vegetables. We'll grill the broccoli, cauliflower, peppers. Maybe add some slices of organic red potatoes, which Mm. I happen to love on the grill. Okay. Um, To finish off the meal, typically it's berries, berries and whipped cream. Yum. It's just a standard. Not Cool Whip. No, whipped, real whipped cream, which one of my grandkids loves to make. Oh, awesome. It's a delicious meal. I know it supports my family. It supports my immune system. Because I'm always trying to plan and cook to be proactive for the health of my entire family. Well, Kate, as you know, my husband and I bought a boat this year. Oh, yeah. Yes. And when you're on the boat, like there are certain things you just can't always eat very well. (laughs) 
It's a little rocky out there. It's a little rocky. You might have like fish stuff on your fingers sometimes. Oh, right. Right. Yes. Um, And so I had a client who kept telling me about these epic pork rinds Hmm. because they're one of her favorite snacks. So it's an epic brand. It's the epic brand. We carry the epic bars in our offices. Um, So same brand. They're pork rinds, also known as chicharrones. (laughs) All righty. (laughs) Um, But if somebody has a on-the-boat potato chip history... This is a good substitute? This is a great substitute. Ooh, I'm going to try these. Well, I almost brought you some to try, but I ate them. Oh, (laughs) Rana. I know. But as you may know, there are many levels to nutrition support and knowledge to either prevent cancer or reduce the risk of reoccurrence, relapse. Mm -hmm. And today Mm -hmm. we've just touched on two major culprits sugar and alcohol. But when we work individually with clients, we might look at their sleep. Huge factor. You got to get enough sleep to to. to keep your immune system working properly. Yes, to fight off those cancer cells. Toxic estrogens, Mm -hmm. antioxidants, Mm -hmm. the list just goes on and on. And so we're always looking at ways to support each client's immune system and to help prevent cell damage. So we want to thank you for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition today. If you found this show interesting, please share it with a friend or a family member. You know, each week, our message is about sharing how eating real food supports your health. It's a simple yet powerful message. Eating real food is life-changing. So next week, be sure to tune in so you can hear Dar and Shelby discuss ways to support your immune system to avoid shingles. Ooh, that'll be a good one. That'll be great. Yes. So thank you, everyone, and have a very happy and healthy weekend. And Kate, I'll see you in In the office. In the office. Maybe. All right. (laughs) Right. Okay. Take care. Thanks for listening to Dishing Up Nutrition. If you enjoy this podcast, please share your favorite episodes with a friend or leave a review on iTunes, Stitcher, or iHeartRadio. The content and opinions expressed are those of the hosts or presenters. They are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent disease. Product statements have not been evaluated by the FDA.